Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. So, um, you may not see me, but I hope you can hear me loud and clear. I'm going to park. Yes. I'm just yeah. going to spend my time here and and we'll move together. And then by the end of this, hopefully I'll be able to get back home, like, you know, in an hour or so. So let's pray. I don't know if we really prayed before we started, but let's pray again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are going to look at your word right now. Your word is life. Your word is health to all our flesh. And it inspires us and instructs us on how we ought to think. We want to have that as our testimony today. So even Lord, as we look at the words of Jesus himself, we are transformed, we learn, and it changes how we think about things that pertain to our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So just like Vicky said, guys, I want us to engage actively like i know this may just seem like we're reading scriptures but the bible is supposed to be authoritative in your lives like the the word of god should be should hold such an authority that it 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 guides how you think about every subject and just like she said if jesus said something it is important in fact historically speaking i hope you know that like we, we've said severally here the the bible was not written in um with with verses and chapters and all of that right it was just one book or one letter or one document and then people had to figure out how to read through it now we have chapters and verses thankfully but one of the other additions some of you will know this if you have a typical king james bible you notice that there are some words that highlighted in red how many of you have seen that before some of you might actually have physical bibles right now yeah, even in in your U version Bible, some of them still preserve the this particular thing. And if you look at the rationale, there are many people that have had different reasons why. But one of the um, people who um, pushed for this actually said that when you look at the words of Jesus and take them seriously, you see change in your life. And that was what motivated him to say, okay, now everyone is speaking, but Jesus is the word. So how can we di- distinguish the things he said from everyone else's? So so if you have one of those Bibles, you'll see it in red. And I want you to have this attitude. When you see red, you know how someone can walk into a, a an office and you hear that voice and immediately you hear that voice. You see everybody arranging their table. The person that was watching a movie during work hours would switch it off and pull up their work screen. Just because you heard that voice. Some of you know I'm talking about. And that's just what we should have. I'm not saying we should do eye service, all right? I'm saying when it comes to the word of God, when Jesus himself is speaking, it should do something to you. It should be like that bus that came in. It should be like that, you know, daddy is back, you know, depending on how that experience is for you. There's there's that experience you have when what you are looking at or what you are hearing um, has some authority in your life. So I want that to be the case here. We're looking at the words of Jesus. All right. So we're going to have the first person read. We're reading the first verse, Matthew. We're looking at what Jesus said about money. 
And there are a number of things he said. So let's look at the first one. Who's going? Matthew 23, 23, right? Yes, yeah, supposed to be. Yes, I read, I read Matthew. I can read it again. Okay. Matthew 23, yes. 23. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Hmm. Thank you very much. So, um, and I'm going to love some feedback at some point, but I think immediately you look at this text. Some of you have heard this text as being a proof text for tithing, right? Some people tell you, um, and I've taught you guys a lot. I hope that we'll have some time this month where I can go deep and talk about tithing. All right. But a lot of people use this as a proof text to say that tithing was a command in the New Testament. But if you are, if you study the word carefully, you realize that there is no one scripture that that says tithing is an ordinance in the New Testament. There is no scripture that says that. They will tell you, Matthew says it like this one. They will tell you Hebrews 7 talks about tithe. But in every situation, it was referring to in an Old Testament practice. Now here, Pharisees were the ones being spoken to, right? So mm -hmm. even though this text is not um, validating or disputing or giving any instruction about whether we should tithe or not to the New Testament believer, it is actually giving instructions on how you should use your resources. So beyond the endless debate that exists, so Jesus is saying something. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, Pharisees, woe to you, meaning you're in trouble. Why? He says, well, you are doing what you ought to do financially, meaning you're bringing your resources, you're giving tithes of mint, cumin, and all these, this amazing food stuff, you know, and spices to the priest and the temple. But he says, but this you ought to do alongside justice, mercy, and faith, right? Are we still there? I don't know yeah, if the screen is still being shared, by the way. The screen is not. Okay, here. it's not. Okay, no worries. So what is Jesus saying to these guys? He's saying, hey, listen, you have a responsibility to give. And I'm not stopping you because you guys are already doing that. But you are leaving aside the important matters of the law, which are justice and mercy and faith. It says, these ye ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Beautiful stuff. All right. So who's going to read the next text? We're going to make a statement after we read three texts, and then we'll know what Jesus is actually saying here. So the next one is, let me give you that reference. Are we still so, together? Yeah. Yes. All right. The next one is Mark chapter 12 from verse 41 to 44. Mark 12, 41 to 44. Remember my point. J Jesus is correcting their hypocrisy, but he's not rebuking their generosity. All right. Very important mm. point. So Mark 12, 41 to 44. Who's going to read that one? 
Okay, Jessica. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a, quad, a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she put out of her poverty, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Wow. Just, just look at that. So Jesus is sitting down. Just picture this like, <laughs> I mean, this is not the exact representation, but just picture this. Jesus is sitting near the offering box and people are bringing money. Is that an image that you've ever, in, in, have you had that image in your mind before? That when it's time for offering, Jesus is watching. It sounds weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking that but, if, it, if it does it in this day and time, a lot of people will, will make it feel like he's a prosperity pastor. Right. I know, right? That's very, that's such a good point to raise. Well, let's, let's discuss that a little bit. So Jesus is sitting down in church service at the front. And as you're coming, you're bringing your, your offerings and whatever it is that you're bringing to, to, to the front. Um, What does that... By the way, that is why many of our, this is where many of the old churches get the idea. Like there's an offering box in the front and you walk. You remember, I don't know if your, your church probably has this structure where, you know, if you are not one of the most, like one of the recent churches and, you know, the new style of church where you have to just sit down and say, scan the QR code <laughs> or type in this link. Or they say there are ushers, beautiful ushers next to you with envelopes. Please you know, raise your hand and signify and you can give your offering. We're talking of like old school Christianity, especially in Nigeria. This is where they get some of those things where it's like, ah, okay, offering box. Yeah, we'll go and buy offering box. So some of you probably went to churches. I mean, I grew up in a church where when it's offering time, you form a queue, all of you would dance to the front. How many of you go to that kind of church? Me. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so this is where they got it, by the way. Many of them will pick it from this but by the way what the imagery here is is not church jesus is not in church here i hope that's obvious yeah where was he he was in the temple good very good so he was in the temple and he was at the treasury and i wish i could show you an image of what this looks like but at the temple many things happened amongst um, all the other things like killing animals, offering blood, bringing green offerings, different things happened in the temple. It was a very busy place. There was also the space in the temple where people would gather, they would kneel and they would pray. There was also the, the different parts of the temple. And there's one part of the temple called the treasury. And this is where people would bring cash, in this case, co coins. Um, some people would bring food stuff. That's in the case of like those who are bringing their tithes, right? Mm. Um, and there were different ways these things were brought. So they had, they also had storehouses. So storehouses is where you actually bring your food. So imagine Jessica was a Jew and Jessica was with Pearl and they're coming, you know, just in about what happened. They say, hey, today's temple worship day. So they go and you, you know, just picture this, Jessica is carrying like something on her head. 
you know, um, all these, she has crops that she got from the previous month. She has gathered everything. And then Pearl, uh, Pearl has also gathered some of her stuff. She has mint, she has cumin, she has, she even has plantain. And so you, you are bringing all these things to the temple. And so the priest is there, is like, oh, thank you. God bless you. You know, they'll declare the blessing of the Lord upon you. And then they'll you take your food stuff to a corner, right? And you put them there. And then that's what they call the storehouse. So if it was green, they will leave it where it will dry. If it was um, living stuff, they will try and find ways to preserve them. But that's how it was. That was the treasury. So it was an active place, right? And at the time, some people were even trying to sell things there, which is why God Jesus was grieved. You remember the story, right? Yes, One day so Jesus came to the him. temple. They were selling stuff. He brought out his whip and flogged them. That this is the house of prayer. This is not where this thing should be happening. You've turned it into a den of thieves. Anyway, I just like to commentate on that. But Jesus is all of a sudden on this day sitting down opposite the treasury, looking at how people are bringing money. And the people who were rich, picture this. They look at Jesus. I mean, I want you to just, this may not be how it happened, but I just painted a picture of Jesus being at the treasury. Now, a lot of people knew he was a great teacher, was a rabbi. And so there's a high likelihood that many of them were looking at him and were like, ah, rabbi is looking at us. So <laughs> how many of you have felt that way where they say give and you didn't plan to give a certain amount? Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden you see this, man of God, or, or maybe they said something different, and now you want to do more. Uh, I don't know. Let's just leave down the side. But then, people who were rich came with a lot of money, and then there was a widow that brought uh, through in two mites. That's what it says, one poor widow. And then what did Jesus say? It says, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. Now, that doesn't make sense logically because she only gave two mites, two copper coins. But Jesus said, hey, this woman has given more than all of the other people. Why? Because she gave more. Right? And what does giving more mean? So more is directly proportional to what you have left. It is what you have left that determines how much you give, right? I don't, I don't want to hammer on that point too much, but some of you know what I'm talking about, right? If you have um, $1,000 and you give 500 of the $1,000 and then someone else has $10,000 and the person gives the same $500, have they given the same? It's the same money, same amount they've given, but who gave more? $1,000 guy. Yeah, because of what she has left, right? Yes. And so the message here, Jesus is praising this woman for her generosity in giving sacrificially. But I think the main point is Jesus is watching us when we give. Like, I think that's the overarching idea that Jesus sees us. He sees our generosity he knows that some people may give out of their wealth and he sees those who give out of sacrifice and this is such an a, a, such a powerful imagery and a powerful lesson 
All right, so Jesus praised sacrificial contribution even to like the temple work and to the temple worship. Okay, yeah. still there? Yes, we are. All right, so let's read Luke chapter 8 from verse 1 to 3. And then we'll make a conclusive statement. I just wanted to show you a few texts before I tell you the first point on what Jesus said about money. Luke chapter 8 from verse 1 to 3. Can we ask someone to read it? I can't, I can't read it. Let me read it. All right, go ahead. Okay, now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Thank you very much. So this is ministry at work. Jesus is going around preaching the gospel, you know, and he's with his disciples. And the Bible talks about how Jesus, you know, had done so many miracles, healing people were, you know, uh, possessed with evil spirits and infirmities. In fact, Mary there, it says called Magdalene because she was from Magdala. And um, she is, first of all, it's just sad that the way she's identified is by her experience. You know, there are people that you call by the things they've been through. Um, I don't know how I feel about Luke doing that, but I think it's just to identify. Because you already said Mary called Magdalene. That's enough. We know who Magdalene, Mary Magdalene is, right? It's still waiting for that to say, for whom, from whom seven demons had gone out. Anyway, I think it's worth acknowledging that he's even not just saying who had seven demons he's saying who from from whom seven demons came out so i think that's that's to glorifying the work of christ right yeah uh, yeah but then notice what's common with all these people mary joanna and susanna and many others these are all women hard-working women who had I would say like a nine to five or a business kind of setup because Herod's household manager, right? That's a nine to five kind of situation. Um, And um, Mary had like something like something um, like a business. Um, Susanna too. And then what do we see all of them do? They provided for the disciples and Jesus out of what? Their substance. Out of their substance. Now this, this one here, it's not Jesus speaking, but we're seeing Jesus interacting with these people and what the interaction was. So the first point I want to make here, a very, very powerful and profound point, is that Jesus taught on the legitimate use of money as a means to support the Lord's work. So what is money used for in Jesus's mind? One of the things is It can be legitimately used and should be legitimately used to support the Lord's work. And so with the Pharisees, we see the Lord's work at the time, even though it was about to change, the Lord's work at the time was to ensure that the priests were fed, that there was food in the storehouse. And how was food going to come to the storehouse? 
people had to bring tithes of their increase. And tithes there would be foodstuff, mint, cumin, all of these things that they had grown. And they will bring up their increase to the temple. So Jesus affirmed that when the, um, the Pharisees was rebuking them for their hypocrisy in other things, but he still validated their generosity to the work of God, right? And we saw the woman bring her the last of what she had to the, to the treasury. And now we're seeing people giving to the ministry of Jesus. So it's like full circle, right? Old Testament support and then transitionary into the transition to the New Testament support as well. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So that's the first point. And if you're making any point on what Jesus said, by the way, I want to encourage you to do something. Um, how many people are on this call? I want to encourage you to do something. Um, okay, 11. Please, this is something I think will be very helpful for you. Get a book. All right. Or if you're a tech person like me, have a device that consists of all the things that you know about certain subjects in your Christian faith. So you can have a book. I just call it, you know, the book of spiritual learning or be creative with a name. And I want you to challenge yourself to divide that book into chapters, okay? Or if you even have the money, you can just buy individual books. Like I'm talking of exercise books or jotas or um, some kind of um, journal, okay? And then dedicate either some pages or the whole book to a particular area of your Christian faith. So it could be on prayer, for example, or faith or money or wisdom, right? And you just, just study like on your own in your life when you go you listen to a sermon you learn something you find some new verses you add them to that book or to that collection and every year you review what you've learned and see if they have changed you know or see if they have evolved or see if there's anything you thought once that you've had to upgrade your learning on or your your understanding on i think it's a powerful thing to do um the reason for that is it just helps you compartmentalize what you know. You know, I this thing I'm telling you to do, I did it in um when I was in Covenant University. Um I think I got the idea from one of my mentors back then. Because he had he had multiple books and he would just be writing, writing. So, you know, he was an excellent teacher. And one of the things that I, I observed was that he would write, he had a it was one of the books that I got my hands on and it was on faith because of course the church that the school was built by is huge on faith um and 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 he had a lot to say about it now i mean if i looking back at some of the things he wrote those things have changed hopefully um because faith was seen as a tool in his book for the most part but now it's not just the faith is not a tool or a force it's it's something you do and you place in Christ, and, and the focus has changed. But guess what? If you had written down things you had learned back then and seen how they've evolved over time by you know, being discipled, being trained, it, it does something to you. So, I mean, 
not everyone needs to take this advice, but I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, it will also even help you know where you are. And you don't have to go all out. You can start with just a few topics on the Christian faith, right? Especially areas you are struggling in. So if you are struggling in, you know, um, maybe a walk of Christian purity, then have a book that discusses that. Um, you know, if you are struggling on the subject of money, for example, let's say you don't have good saving habits, you don't have, um, or it's something that troubles you a lot, like we discussed earlier, have a book and see what God has to say about it. Everything the Bible has to say about it, you write it down. You build, how do you fill up the book? You listen to sermons, you study the Bible, you have conversations with people, you attend BMG, you build your content, right? Does that make sense to everyone? Yes. Yes. Okay. I really, yes. I really love that you do it. If you do it, um, and you go about that starting it, I want you to have all the freedom in the world to be creative about how you do it. You could even go ahead and do it virtually. You know, on on, a, on your laptop. It doesn't have to be like physical books. I even, I for me, I, I I would advise using a device, um, because I mean books. They run out, you can't update, but you can have a device and you can have like 500 pages, right? And you can always save it to the cloud. So, you know, that's that's a good idea. All right. I digressed a little bit, but let's continue. So do you get the first point? Or do you have any questions before I go on? No. All right. Okay, good. So point one, like I said, Jesus taught on the legitimate use of money as a means to support God's work. Now, number two, and before we establish number two, let's look at some verses together. And I'll see if you guys can tell me what number two is. So the first verse or first portion is Matthew 17 from verse 24 to 27. So if you can open your Bibles as long um, as well. Sorry, I'm tired, guys. Very tired. Uh, Matthew 17, 24 to 27. So we're going to read it real quick. Who's going to do that for us? Uh, I can take this one. All right. Uh, Matthew, All right. Matthew 17, 24 to 27. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take custom or taxes from their sons or from strangers peter said to him from strangers jesus said to him then the sons are free nevertheless lest we offend them go to the sea cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first and when you have opened its mouth you would find a piece of money take that and give it to them for me and you hmm. man there's so much to unpack here but how many of you understand what is going on here? I think, I think my question, just to test what you guys um, think. Look at verse 25. What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus implying by his statement? So let me, let me do the preamble. And I want you guys to think about it very much. Um, Jesus said, sorry, the, 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 the um, tax collectors came to ask Peter. He said, doesn't your teacher pay tithes? Um, sorry, tax. and uh, Peter's response was, he does, right? Certainly. So before, and then, and then Peter went into the house. Now, this is just the wisdom of Jesus or the, the fact that Jesus was just no, no, no ordinary man. 
before Peter could even raise any topic or you know any conversation on the topic, Jesus said the question. And so I want you to think on that question now. The question is this. He said, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the world collect fees or taxes? Is it from their family members or from other people? And then Peter said, from other people. And then Jesus replied, then the family members are exempt. So who can tell me what you think Jesus is saying or implying? We are not, we are not meant to pay tax. Mm. Mm, okay, are you sure? Like we're free from like paying stuff. Who is we? The sons. Who are the sons? The sons of God. <laughs> so all of us sons of God don't pay tax. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a mistake. Um, no, th- think about it. Think about. I feel it. like people that citizens of that place. Maybe. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, you're thinking in the right direction now. Who wants yeah. to help out? I think what is try what he was trying to say was like he was trying to make um a comparison between um sons and maybe other people in light of the kingdom of God, right? So Jesus was just um, wanted to use it to just make a point that we don't actually we are not of this world, right? So those people are taking tax from us because we are not of them. That. They are not of them, but then he now said, Nevertheless, so that they don't go and get offended that we are saying that we are sons and then there are other people or something like that. You guys, let's give them what they want. Hmm. Well, think about it. Who were the collectors of the temple tax? Were they Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles. You sure? Oh, oh, no, no, sorry, Jews. Oh, okay, okay. That was that was right. Did you say that it was um, Roman tax? Sorry. Yeah, so so it is Roman tax, but guess who was taking it? Was the temple priest. Okay, let me let me help you. Let me help you a little bit. So there is there is oh wait, what did I say? Sorry, there is this so there is the Roman tax mm. that they placed on um on the the denizens, or what would you call them? The people who had been um, colonized, in a sense. So, remember, the Roman government took over the the Jews. Yeah. And so now they had to impose a tax on the Jews. Right? You know about this, right? Yes. But there's something called the temple tax. So, who can tell me the difference between the tax that the the Roman government placed on the Jews and that difference between that and the temple tax, which was collected by the Jews. By the way, the... Oh, the, okay. Um, yeah, talk. Okay, actually, okay, so now that you um, made that distinction, I think it's clearer. So the, I think the temple tax is something that was actually required by Israelites to pay. Right, just like I think it should be in this category of tithe and everything because the law actually states that um they are certain that they should give certain amount of money to the to the temple for the upkeep of the temple. So I think the temple tax is one of them. But then just yeah. now saying that the sons are free, 
I think he's alluding to what it will do in salvation, where we are not under the law, we are not um, we are not bound to like do what the law the law um, requires, right? We are free from the sons are free, the sons sons of the kingdom, right? Sons of the kingdom are not supposed to pay tax. Mm. It's because um they are not the law doesn't make you doesn't give you that sonship right. That's why you get to pay tax on that law. I think it, it was just trying to make a distinction between being under the law and what salvation by grace would do. Yeah. Well, there's, there's so- yeah, go ahead. Who's that? It's more, I'm thinking that maybe it's because they were not Jews that they now had to, mm, but was Jesus a Jew? Yes. Very oh, Jew. Very Jew. Hey, well. Yeah. So what, see, what I'm hoping that some of you are doing right now, and I like, this is why we have this conversation. That's why Bible, Bible Marathon ex- exists. It's because there are some things you just read and you pass by. And if you don't know some of these historical things, you miss like a lot of the context. In fact, I wish I could have more time to just teach on some of these things because um, historically speaking, even the priests were exempt from some of the, ta- um, the taxes. Temple taxes, priests were not supposed to pay. Even some of the rabbis were not supposed to pay. So there is the sense in which even Jesus was probably like, wait, why are they expecting a tax from me? So that's one side of the equation. Mm. There's also the side of, wait, we are Jews. Why are we taxing ourselves in the way the Romans are taxing us? Are we not sons? Are we not family members? You don't tax your family members. You tax people who come from outside, which was how tax was supposed to be done back then. But then there's also the third angle of there was always there was there was something in the law of Moses called the temple tax as well as tithing. By the way, tithing was a form of tax, taxation under the law, saying, hey, everyone has to pay this amount of money, a tenth of all their increase, because the temple must run. And because the temple, as much as it is spiritual. Is still very much physical and needs money for its running, people have to be committed to regular giving, right? So that's why it was expected when they came, you know, to collect tax and they asked Peter, like, ah, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And he, he was like, certainly, Peter was not lying. Peter understood that it was his responsibility to do that. But if I if I stay on this top, topic, we'll stay here for forever and I still have a few more points but the clue is in verse 26 um 27 sorry and this is it Jesus mentally dissociated himself from having to pay that so like this is not something I am bound to do but so we don't have a problem in our hands we don't cause confusion. And this is wisdom for us, by the way. You see how Jesus handled this situation. Knowing that Jesus did not necessarily have to, um, you know, pay. First of all, Jesus is the son of God. There's there's a, there's a, that angle as well. Um, but Jesus wanted to deflect any attention or avoid any scandal. And so he finds a way supernaturally, miraculously to have a coin to give. But yeah, let's um Joe, I see your hand up. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question. Yeah. Um, yeah. just just on this topic, 
uh, I guess when you asked the question, what was going on here? I wasn't so sure, but it just felt, and again, I might be wrong, but it felt like Jesus was saying, this is just an, I guess, ordinance of man. And it's not, it's not, it's not a requirement, but then, um, I don't, I just wanted to, is that, is that the thinking, um, just because, yeah, that's one thing. I don't know if that was clear enough. But number two, you just said something now about Jesus implying or trying to say that he wasn't, it was ideally not supposed to pay pay that. But is it Jesus saying he wasn't supposed to pay it or no one should be, was supposed to pay it because we are all Jews and we are, even though we're not, we're not, they were not necessarily sons of God at, this, at that time because there was, that salvation hadn't happened then. But because we are all in, you know, the family of God or the, um, you know, the chosen Jews, you know, um, it, it, I, I, I would think that's what was happening where Jesus was saying, well, nobody should be paying this, not just me, Jesus, shouldn't yeah. be paying this. Yeah, and, and that's why it says, then the family members are exempt. So, okay, let me just, even though there's no time, I think it's fine. We have a whole series, right? So let me let me share my thoughts on this. And like I said, it's my thoughts because um, it's very possible that if I study deeply and I go back and check some more commentaries, I might have a, a, a more different position. But the last time I studied this, the conclusion I came to was that you know, Jesus himself did not have any obligation to pay because based on the, the idea or the principle um, is that people who pay are not supposed to be members family members the people who should be taxed are who people from the outside right but a lot of traditions of men and a lot of things had come into the picture to mess things up so in this situation that we see here jews are now being taxed and even though historically priests were not supposed to be taxed rabbis were not supposed to be taxed and then i Ideal, the, ideal, the ideal situation from the very beginning was that the Jews themselves, being children of God, were not supposed to be under any kind of financial oppression. All right. And so now what we are seeing is a requirement for taxes where they have to pay to the, that, like I said, there's the temple tax and there is the Roman um, tax or taxation system. Right. So what I do think is happening is that Jesus is making it clear. I don't have any obligation to, and as children of God, when I say children of God, I'm talking about the Jews, the Israelites. They, they were also not supposed to. They're as, as children, not as slaves or not as foreigners, we're not supposed to pay those taxes. Like they didn't have the responsibility to. But Jesus now also in the same breath said, well, we don't want to cause a sin so we're going to do it so that we don't cause any issues with these people who are requesting it. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, because Vashawa asked a question in the chat. She was like, but oh. since is the, temp the temple was used by Jews, it's a Jewish temple, if they wanted to go with the um, with Jesus' mindset that um, Family members should not be taxed. Then who would have? Who else would have been charged? Would have been taxed for the upkeep of the temple? Yeah. So my understanding, like if you go, I think it's in Leviticus, but I'll have to verify this. And next year, I'm definitely going to go into all of these books so that we can have a you know um 
uni, what's the word? What's that word? Unanimous position on it. Um, but people who came into the city were taxed. That's one thing. Um, um, and then some of these things, the only the only real system of taxation that was um instituted by Moses was the tithe, and then some other um kind of offerings that were there. So this system of taxation now is an evolution on the original plan, mm -hmm. is what I mean. So um it was the people outside ideally, but but let me put like a a, a comma on that. All right, let me let me verify this. Do a little bit more study on that, get back to you on it, okay? But it's, it's a good question to be to ask there. Okay. Um, there's a similar story. Let's really read that real quick. And the other story is um is in Matthew, um, few chapters later. So let's look at Matthew 22. And in this case, now we're seeing taxes to Caesar. So look at Matthew 22 from verse 17. Are we still there? Yeah. All right. I hope it's not boring. Is there anybody here who is bored? We're not preaching like a stirring sermon today. We're just, this is just Bible study, pure and simple. Very, very important for us. All right. So I hope no one is bored. And we're already rounding up, so. And I want to challenge you guys. If by the kind of the kind of um, people I want to see and disciple and, and see grow in this platform are people that once a question like this is raised, like you're already taking notes, you're saying, I'm going to go research on this. I love, there's someone, I don't want to mention the person's name, but someone who um, took one of the challenges I gave some weeks back and just came and sent me like a full download of what he studied on it. If you see the way I was blushing, I was, <laughs> you should have seen me, I was just happy. Like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Because I want to see people who don't leave everything to just the teacher or just wait till the next session to get an answer. Because I have a question for all of you. How do you think I know some of the things I know? That an angel just came in the night and slapped me and I just <laughs> and I just knew it. No, it's it's yeah, I I had questions too. And I said, okay, let me check. And then anything I check, if I'm not sure, I have pastors. That I can cross check those thoughts with. I have resources. I have early church fathers that I can that have written on it and I can check, right? So I want you to build that attitude now. Don't wait till you're a pastor. Some of you will never even pastor, but don't wait till you get to that, that position. Start now. Start training yourself, right? Start doing some research. So I don't know if Shawa's hand is still up or that was from the last time. I think it was from the last one. All right, so let's read it. Matthew 22 from verse 17. Let me read this one, okay? So it says, tell us then, who, who what you, okay, let me read from the screen. Tell us therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So they came to test Jesus, right? Yeah. But Jesus perceived their wickedness. He says, why do you test me? You hypocrites. <laughs> I can imagine Jesus saying this. <laughs> Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. That's the coin that they used in those days. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. 
And then he said to them, well, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. What you are seeing here is the genius of Jesus. Jesus knew how to respond to every critic, everyone who had malicious thoughts. And he just answered it with so much grace. Who can tell me what Jesus meant when he said, whose likeness and inscription is this? So let me, let me, let me just go ahead and explain it just because of time, right? So they came to test Jesus. The test is, is he going to say, because think about it, taxation, right? It's something the Jews were fighting against. Nobody likes to be taxed the way the, um, the emperor was taxing them. So now they said, okay, let's test Jesus. Let's ask him a question because now the people are for him, but he's also a citizen. So is he going to go with the people or is he going to go with the government? If he goes with the government and says, yes, we should pay taxes, all the people are going to be angry because that's oppression, right? Mm. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, wow. And we're following, we thought he was a man of God and they would desert, desert him. And then it will also give them bragging rights as the Pharisees because they came to test him. But then the other side is if he says no, he's going against authority. And so even if the Jews that are around him listening to him say, yes, this is our savior. This is the one that is coming to redeem us from this troubling, troubled and troubling um, siege of the Romans. Even though that was the, the move, he would have still lost his um, ability to keep order. And you remember, that was why, what he did in the first place, where he, he did this to make sure that, you know, there was no scandal. So he paid his tithe to them, even though he didn't have to, based on that scripture. So here, that's it, tithe. Sorry, what am I saying, tithe? Tax. So here now, he's answering the question. What did he, how did he answer? Jesus is so skillful. He said, well, okay, you're asking, should we give taxes or not? Well, uh, show me a coin. So show me the coin that you people are saying we should use as what we are paying. And then he says, who is on it? And they answered, Caesar. Say, and then give it to him. It belongs to him. So now with that answer, Jesus was establishing a lot of things. But one of the things you would see is establishing that, hey, there is a system of government that exists, no matter how malicious it is, if it is the property of that government, then it belongs to that government. And so he says, well, whose image is on this thing? It's Caesar, so it belongs to him, so give it to him. Now, the question you would probably ask, I heard this from Ravi many years ago, Ravi Zacharias. Mm -hmm. He said, the question they would probably have asked if they knew what Jesus was saying is, well, um, because the, the, uh, Jesus' response is, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. The question is, how do we know the things that are God's? He said, mm -hmm. Rabbi said, well, ask the same question. Whose likeness and inscription are you? I think that's such a powerful statement that he made. So he's basically saying, 
give to Caesar what is Caesar's because his image is on that thing. Just the same way, the money that you have today, whether it's Naira or dollars or whatever currency, if you look closely, you see property of, the, however they communicate it, but you see that it belongs to the central bank of that nation. And so if they require that taxes are paid, you should pay them because it's not yours, all right? And then same thing should go with everything that has to do with God. Your life should be for him. Your life should be consecrated to him, should be a gift because he gave all you have is what God gave you. And so the logical response is render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And so the second point and where the only time we have today is, you know, at this point here, is Jesus taught that we ought to pay our taxes and be socially responsible. Every situation where Jesus was faced with the question of paying tax, he did or he approved of it. So that is a teaching. In fact, the New Testament is replete to some examples. Paul himself says you should pay taxes, right? Honor the king. You must follow the law of the land. Um, don't cut corners. That's not how to be a Christian. The believer who follows Jesus Christ must, first of all, number one, be generous and support the work of God wherever it's happening. And for today, that would be in your church. That would be in any organization that supports the gospel of Jesus or the, or the, the care of his image, right? And secondly, be socially responsible. Be a part of government projects. And at the least, if you have to pay taxes, please pay taxes. Don't cheat the system. All right. So because of time, we'll stop here. Um, I don't know if we'll have like a part two next week, because this month we have five Sundays. We wanted to um, spread it out and teach extensively. By the end of this series, I want everyone to be so versed in, you know, in the knowledge of scripture about this subject. So anything that comes around money, you are prepped and ready to respond. All right. Um, so. Any questions so far? Anybody thinks this is helpful? I do. Okay. Um, yeah. I have a question. Okay. It's about money, but not directly about this teaching. Yeah. So, um, okay. Um, so, um, I don't know if you guys remember the message I dropped on the group a few days ago about um, starting a Bible study class for kids. So I reached yeah. out to some parents who are also my clients, and um, they are interested in having their kids join, and I'm starting next week. And then I noticed okay. both of them told me something, and yeah. um, I would like you to um, share your knowledge about that. So they said they would like to support the movement financially. So now my mm. questions are, one, am I supposed to accept that support? Then two, if I'm supposed to accept that support, how should I use that money? What should I use the money mm. for? And all that? So those are my okay, questions. That- that's such a great question. And thank you for asking. I think um, I'll share some thoughts. If you 
still want to take it off and we could. If there's anyone here who also wants to add um, um hey, dear Lord, anyone who wants to add to <laughs> anyone that wants to add to, to what I'm going to share, please do. But the first thing you have to recognize is it is okay to accept support and donations, especially when it has to do with the work of God. In BMG here, as much as possible, like you know, I've been very hesitant. And some people have told me. You know, Pastor Ernest, just do it. But I'm, I've been hesitant. And until the Lord says, like, go all out and do this, then we'll, we'll, we'll just be hesitant together. Um, but what I'm saying is we should be we should be open to the generosity of people. Jesus was. Jesus, the son of God, was supported by the ministry, the financial ministry of those women we mentioned today. So it's first of all, it is a good thing to accept support. If you're doing the work of God, you should be okay asking people to support and allow God to stir up their hearts um, in that direction. Now, if anyone chooses to support you, you have a duty and a responsibility, both spiritually and just as a good human being, to give a clear report of what you are doing with the money. So that's the second aspect. Um, you may not get into too much details like, oh, we bought this, we bought that. But generally, people should know here is where this money you've given has gone to. What that does is it shields you from any scandal. It shields you from any accusation of anyone saying you're using the money for something other than what you asked for it for. Okay. And it helps you with some level of accountability so that you know that every time that money is given to you, you can account for where it has gone. So. This is basic, basic um, information for anything, whether it is a um, non, non-governmental organization, um, charity organization, or just a small thing that you set up. You want to let your sponsors, your generous givers know what that money is doing. Um, and as much as is in your power, have like a documented um, re- report that you send to these people. Even if it's just a thank you, um, you know, for their donation, and here's what we are doing with it. I think that is just that's just good to do. Now, on the second part of how should you use that money, I think most of it is intuitive. Um, where did the money? Why 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 was the money requested? I think that's the first thing you ask yourself. Like, okay, for example. Practical example, BMG, we don't spend so much. I'm just being vulnerable here. Like we don't spend so much. The only spending is probably coming from my pocket because I chose to pay for Zoom and Mixlr and all the platforms we use, right? So there's a monthly subscription that is going. There are random people out of the blues who will say, hey, thank you very much for the work you're doing. Here's social amount. And I ask them, what is this money? What do you want this money to go to? And some of them will say things like, oh, well, at least for this month, just use this to handle the mixer bill. I say, oh, thank you very much. Or I may have a request specific to, oh, the battery dies. How many of you remember that situation where my battery was always dying? I had to stop using that camera. One of you here actually reached out and bought the battery, you see? So that's money that came in and went to what it was ordained for. So I think that's the question to ask you now, Pearl. Why did you need the money? And once you have those answers, that's where the money should go. 
Okay. So, so, so if okay. it is if it is feeding, like okay, these people are going to gather, they'll be hungry. I want to buy snacks. Then you make it clear that this money is going to snacks. But make sure that the money is not going for anything personal, except the person tells you, "Hey, I'm giving you this as your gift for you. Take care of yourself with this." Right? Um, do you have any specific question on yes, on like so... what you want to do? Mm-hmm. So, um, so for now, I really do not have um, any need for money. Okay. At least for now. So, mm-hmm. so to answer that question, I don't because I didn't ask for for it. They, um, they said they would like they to volunteer. It. Okay. Yes, okay. exactly. So I don't have any use for money, um, for now. Because it's going to be um virtual, so mm. I don't know. So I don't, I don't have any money. I don't have any need for money for now, sure. Okay. So maybe so let me share what. Yeah. Okay. yeah, let me share what two things. Number one would be, um, I think it's a smart idea to still have that money saved. Don't yeah. under any okay. circumstance go and use it to pay for something. All right, and if you okay. do that, make sure you pay it back. But it's okay right. to have some money saved. Number two, I'll give you what I did. Any mm-hmm. stages of BMG, some people decided to be generous. All the money they've given has gone back to giveaways. Mm-hmm. Some of you know that I used to do all these random giveaways on the group. And the reason yes. I stopped, some of you are probably wondering why I stopped. No money is coming in. I'm just being honest with you. So there's no, <laughs> and I'm spending a lot of money with so many other things um, that God has put on my heart right now. And, things i'm having to do right now right but back then when people would just be generous out of their own will like oh i'm learning a lot here and the bible teaches that we should um support the work that we are being blessed by so these people out of their own willful thoughts brought some money and said oh want to contribute so i'll ask them like okay um can i use this for um giveaways and they say yeah and i ask them do you mind if i mention your name some of them will say no don't mention my name. Some will say it's okay. So based on that, I would, you know, let people know, hey, this was sponsored by whoever, you know, gave the money. But people end up getting it. So it's like a, it's like a funnel. Generous givers bring the money to BMG. BMG accords the direction of that giving back to the members. Um, so there was a time we did um, a hangout, and I think we're going to do it this October, where we sent. Who was there? We sent uh, one five to everybody yeah. that attended. I don't know how many of you were there. It was I a while ago. There. Yeah, we sent it and said, you guys buy something. Even this gala and malt. Just, just eat and let's be merry. So th- those are ways, some ways you can um, use it. So you think about, I'm starting a, a, a group for these people. So my focus is these people. There are some situations that can come up where someone is in serious trouble and that money might be what saves them. And because you saved it, you can use it for that purpose. Now, if it stops being virtual, you will need support because people are now going to come, you know, transport here and there and stuff. But you see, Mm -hmm. let God guide you. After all these wisdom tips I've given you, it's still the spirit of God that will lead you on how to... um, you know, apportion whatever your gifts to what of it. And you learn a lot this series, okay? Thank you so much. You're welcome. Any Anybody wants to add to that? P, I just wanted to say something to Pearl. 
All right. All right. Yes, right. So I think it's, everything P has said is like a great, like very, very amazing tips for you. But I think like also the fear is for me, I'm coming from the angle of just, just to completely avoid the temptation of, because when money is not purposeful, there's a tendency to just mishandle it. Right. So, mm. and, but also that also depends on the kind of person you are when it comes to money and you're the only one who will be the best judge of yourself. So if you believe mm. that there's somewhere you can keep it where you would, it would just be there until you genuinely like have need of it. But if you feel like, you know, just to entirely avoid that temptation of, oh, okay, I can take it and I'll replace it back or something like that. Just maybe tell them, okay, I mean, I appreciate like the gesture and maybe when I really need it, I can, if I can come back, can I come back? Can I revisit this request or this offer or something like that? So that's just what I wanted to say. It's better not to even just entertain the temptation at all. All right. Thanks so much. Absolutely, hundred percent. Thank you for for saying that, Jessica. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't feel you have self control, mo- most of us don't. Let's be honest. Like situation can mm-hmm. cause purpose to bend. So just just avoid it where you can, um, and ask if you can. Just like she said, you know, defer the generous um, offer. Like, hey, I don't need it now, but when I do, can I come back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well done, bro. I'm I'm happy, and and I just want to encourage you that what what you are doing is ministry, no matter how small it seems, but it is ministry. And just know that every time you step up to do what God has asked you to do, there's grace that follows it every mm-hmm. time. Thank so you're you. equipped. And there is wisdom for you. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, babe. All right. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Um, we'll meet again. Please don't miss Bible study on Friday if you can be present. We're still in the book of Philippians. And uh, I want you to start prepping your minds for what God wants to do with us next year. Next year, we're going hardcore. Like, I'm preparing you now. There's no, we're not going to be doing all this kind of teaching style. Um, We're going hardcore Bible. Like, everyone here is going to be a Bible nerd by God's grace. You're going to know what the Bible is really about and when I say Bible, not just the New Testament, you're going to know the Old Testament as well. So gear up for that um, and um, just be prepared. I'm already saying it now because there's still a few months to go. But I want you to have dreams of being really, really like the Bible will be your best book. And it's going to be it's going to be the situation for everyone. In Jesus name. Hey there, so we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmg live four that's the number four or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there we hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith